0: It certainly is good to see you here today at New Life Church on this beautiful Sunday morning. And I discern, I recognize today that there are several who are with us for the first time and we want to say welcome to New Life Church. We're glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're here, especially because we have so many who are out today. You help it look a little bit more respectable in here. We have uh, some who were checking their college students into the dorms today. Um, this family member said to me, who's doing that today, said, I can't believe they would do that on a Sunday, that you'd have to go check your kids into college dorms and then school starting the next day. Well, that's the way it is. And then we have some who are away. Uh, my wife is not with us today. She's still caring for her mother um, and will be coming home later today. But I couldn't complain too much that she didn't come home um she has a brother that cares for her mother when joy's not there, and he hadn't been to church in weeks. and so she stayed on Sunday so he could go to church one Sunday. So I guess I can't feel too bad about that. But uh, we do have others as well who are who are traveling and vacating and celebrating anniversaries and so forth. But we're here today, and I hope you're here, hungry for the word. Uh, because I do have a word to share with you today from the scripture. Thank you for being here. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we are so grateful today for your blessings. Thank you, Lord, for the desire that you placed in our hearts to be in the house of the Lord. To fellowship with the people of God and to hear your word. I pray, Lord, that you would minister to me today. Lord, give me inspiration and clarity of thought and help me convey what you have put in my heart. And share it with your people today for your glory. Have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The scripture in Psalm 119 verse 18 says, and you can see the title of the sermon today is Come. You're going to hear that word quite a lot this morning. From the beginning to the very end in the text, you're going to see that word. And the invitation that we'll be singing after a while, come. A very important word for us today. And we're going to begin by, by looking into the Old Testament and giving some background, some context for the text that we'll eventually get to in a few moments. So if you would be patient with me because I feel like it's important for us to understand uh, a few things about the scripture before we actually get to the text that I feel sure is going to speak to our hearts today. In Psalm 119, that's the, that's the, uh, longest chapter in the Bible. And there the psalmist David prayed a prayer. He said something addressing it to the Lord and he Uh, He fashioned it as a prayer, a request to the Lord. And David said, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. Sometimes I have to pray that. I hope you do too. That the Lord would open his word to us and give us understanding and revelation and help us see things perhaps that we haven't seen before. This past Wednesday evening, evening, evening. Wednesday evening in Bible study, um, we're showing a video series about scripture and it's been a fascinating study and all of us agree that we have learned quite a bit. But there was a very important um, thing mentioned and explained in this video on Wednesday evening that I had never heard in my life. And I even made the statement, how could I have been a pastor for almost 40 years now and never knew this? And it was important. It was exciting. It lit, a, it lit a fire in me. And um, that's the way the scripture is. It's so, um, so beautiful. The Bible contains such great depth and of truth and knowledge that one could study the Bible for a lifetime and still never come close to exhausting its treasures. This, of course, should not be discouraging to us. Uh, as if our attempts to learn and grasp its truths were an impossibility because the Bible is so full of inspiration and lessons and help for us, we could study it for the rest of our lives and not get it all. But rather, studying the Scripture should be kind of like this. It's like eating your first spoonful of your favorite homemade ice cream. And you take a taste. And you want more. Just a few days ago, we had family in from out of town. And and we went over to my parents' home and we made homemade ice cream out on the front porch. We hadn't been together as a family in probably over a year uh, with our with my sister and her husband being here. So we made homemade ice cream. And when it was finished, uh, mom bought me a bowl of ice cream. And, and I took a bite of that and I thought, man, this is good. Well, it wasn't very long before she was bringing me another one. And I ate that one, and it was good. And then she said, would you like another one? I said, sure. And she brought me another one, and it was good. When something is just good, you don't want to quit, do you? You just want to keep eating it. It's just so good. You don't want just a spoonful. And that's the way the Bible is in a lot of ways. The more you study it, the more you appreciate it, the more you learn, the more you want. And you just have an appetite for it. Well, I hope that this scripture this morning we're going to share kind of has that effect on you. Uh, It just gets better and better and we can never get enough. That's the way it is with the word of God. It, It prompted David actually in the same psalm, Psalm 119 to say, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. He went on to say how sweet your words are to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. You know what? As a pastor, I could only wish that all of us who were here, self-included, that we had that feeling, we had that passion about the word of God. Oh, how I love your law. It's my meditation. It's what I think about all throughout the day, how sweet your words are to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. Well, our portion today is taken from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a book in the Bible, and it has something in common with Scripture as a whole. Most of you know that the Bible contains what we call 66 books. Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, contains 66 chapters. It has been called the mini-Bible, the Bible in miniature, the book of Isaiah a very, very important passage and book of the Bible. It has actually been referred to as the fifth gospel. You know, in the new Testament, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels. And so someone has now labeled Isaiah as the fifth gospel. I would prefer to call it the first gospel for certainly the gospel is there as we're going to see this morning. And as we Um, understand that Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, was written 700 years before the time of Christ, then it certainly came before the four Gospels did and revealed much of the same things as we're going to see this morning. So I would probably call Isaiah the first Gospel, albeit that it's found in the Old Testament. Now, in order to gain some context for what I really want to highlight today, we'll take just a few moments to review some notable gospel passages in Isaiah's book. Before we do that, I want to remind you one more time, Isaiah was written 700 years before the time of Jesus Christ. And so the scripture says in Isaiah 7 verse 14, therefore... The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. It's amazing how you read these passages. Most of you have heard that all of your life. We hear it at Christmas time a lot. But again, listen carefully to those words. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. What is a sign, but something that you can see, something that gets your attention, that tells you something that perhaps you didn't know before, or at least something you need to be reminded of. The Lord will give you a sign, something that you can see and recognize and understand that something very important is taking place. What is the sign? The Bible says the Lord will give you a sign. Look, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. I don't know that I had ever thought about this in this exact way until this week. But I'd like to submit to you today that a virgin cannot conceive. Because once she conceives, she's no longer a virgin. True? But yet the Bible says that this virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And we read from the New Testament that she remained that way until after the birth of our Lord. That's a sign. Someone who has never known a man, never been with a man, conceives and bears a son. That is a sign. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, which the New Testament tells us, being interpreted is God with us. Now, you can't read that and think about it at all and not know that something very important and very special is happening there. A virgin is conceiving and bearing a son... And his name is God with us. Isaiah 9 verse 6 also picks up with the narrative. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called. Now listen to this. We're talking about this child from Isaiah seven fourteen, the one that was conceived of a virgin, the one that was uh, born of a virgin, the one whose name was called Emmanuel. And Isaiah 9, verse 6 says, and his name will be called. Now, how do you like this as a name for a baby? Wonderful counselor. And here's the one that'll really get your attention. This child is going to be called mighty God. And this child is going to be called the everlasting father. And this child is going to be called prince of peace. Now you have it on the screen right there before you from the book of Isaiah. And his name will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. I want to tell you, there's so much theology in that one verse. We could be here for days trying to sort that one out. But yet it is true. As the story continues in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 7. This is a longer passage. Surely he has borne our griefs. Next scripture, please. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. If you know his name, would somebody say it? Jesus. Jesus. Absolutely. Verse 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, who is he? And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but what we've just read is the gospel. It's in the Old Testament. It was written 700 years before Jesus was ever born. We get details about the fact that he's going to be born of a virgin. We get details about the fact that his name's going to be Emmanuel, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and all these different things. And the Bible tells us that he was he was wounded and he was bruised and he was chastised and he bore stripes for us. He was oppressed and afflicted. He opened not his mouth. He never he never uh badmouthed those who were inflicting this on him. He willingly bore it all for my sin and yours. That's why the Bible says in verse six, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've wandered off. We have turned every one to his own way. All of us, the Bible says, are born sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. Isn't that what the scripture says? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, the scripture says. We're all born sinners. We all need a savior. And so the Bible says that the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all. Now I'm going to tell you, that's mighty good news, is it not? The fact that we're lost and undone and can't help ourselves and can't do anything about our plight. We can't solve our own problem. We can't heal our own sickness. We need a savior and Jesus comes to be that savior for us. And we were not worthy. We were sinners. We were guilty. We deserved any punishment we might incur. But then the Bible says that all of our sin was laid on him. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's the gospel. And it's mighty good news. The bad news. The bad news is that man is sinful. Man is separated from God. Man is sick. Sin sick. With no cure. Man is desperately lost. The symptoms just get worse. And we have no way to deliver ourselves from this terrible malady called sin. And then in steps God, who initiates this by sending his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God steps in with a cure. That's good news. A savior is promised. A virgin will conceive and bear a son. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He saves in a most amazing way. He takes our sin upon himself and he gives to us. The New Testament word is he imputes to us righteousness instead. That's good news. And it's available to all. The greatest story ever told. A universal sickness, a universal pandemic, sin, has affected everybody. But a Savior has come to take away all of our sin. And as the story goes, and they all lived happily ever after. But not in this case. Because not all, only those who come to the Savior. Thank you for listening so well this morning. As bad as our plight is. Jesus provided a savor. Or God provided a savior. His name was Jesus. He takes our sin upon himself. He imputes to us the righteousness of God. He's come to make a difference in our lives. But only for those who will come to him. Only those who will follow him. The Savior has come, that is for sure. But a personal response is needed. Chew on that just a minute. A personal response is needed. So now I'm going to ask you if you have your Bible to turn with me to Isaiah 55. Since we have gotten to this point now where we've kind of laid a foundation... We've, looking, we've looked at what Isaiah had to say. Now we're going to pick up with Isaiah's narrative and see where something very important is highlighted, illuminated, brought to our attention in Isaiah 55. This is a passage I've heard all, all my life, off and on. But it has taken on such depth over the past few days for me. I'm going to read verses one through three and then we're going to go back and unpack it. Ho! Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me. And eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself. In abundance. Incline your ear. And come to me. Here and your soul shall live. The imagery here in this passage. Is of a hawker. H-A-W-K-E-R Hawker I don't know if you know what a hawker is or not It's a peddler A hawker It's one of these guys you see at the ball game That's walking through the crowd with a tray of cold drinks Or cotton candy Or peanuts Or beverages of all kinds And he's hollering out Popcorn, popcorn, get your popcorn. He's doing his best to get your attention. He's shouting whatever it is he has to sell. Whatever he wants to, to be able to share with you. He's convinced that you need it. And he wants you to know that he's there to provide it. And so this is actually the imagery of a hawker or a peddler who's selling water, a cool drink on a hot day. And it begins by saying, ho. Do you know what ho is in Hebrew? It's ho. We would say it today this way. We say, hey. We want to get somebody's attention. Hey you, hey, hey. Well, in those days they said, ho. And as this hawker is saying, "Ho!" and he's trying to get people's attention. He knows you're thirsty. Think about it. At a ball game. At the circus. Wherever. Wherever you find these hawkers selling their whatever they're selling. They know you're thirsty. They know your kids are going to want ice cream. Well, of course they know the children want cotton candy. And you know you would like a bottle of water while you're sitting out in the sun watching this ball game and it's 90 degrees. That's the imagery of what's going on here. But this hawker in Isaiah 55 verse 1 says, "Ho!" Oh, and he's, he has something that you need. I want you to get this. I didn't waste the time talking about ball games and circuses and the people going around selling things for no reason. They know you're there and they know you have a need. They know you want something to eat. You want to refresh yourselves. And this person who is making this pronouncement, "Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. He knows. He knows he has something you need. You may not have recognized it yet, but you you need this water that he talks about. You may not be aware of it or conscious of it, but you need this bread that he mentioned. You may not know it, but you need this wine and you need this milk that he talks about there. And so he's, he's making an announcement. This is available to you. Come and buy this. You need this water, you need this bread, you need this milk, you need this wine. Well, we've just read the passage, verses 1 through 3. I want to take you, maybe in kind of an unusual way, through that list of things. Isaiah 55, verse 1, come to the waters. Later in that verse, it talks about come buy wine and milk. Verse two says, talks about bread. And all these things we're going to run through right quick. Water. Is water important? Did you know that 60% of your body is what? Is water. If you don't put water in... Eventually, you're going to dry up. <laughs> These bodies need water in order to function. It's interesting, however, if you'll pull this slide up, Joe. It's interesting that this this water that he's talking about isn't really for drinking. Just like the water that he was talking to the woman at the well about was not necessarily a physical drink he was talking about something far more important. In fact, in the scripture, Jesus refers to himself as living water. He says, if anyone thirst, not yet. if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink and I will give him living water. Now does anybody here know anything about living water? I hope you do. Because if you are a Christian, if your sins have been forgiven, then you are already participating in this flow of living water. Jesus refers to himself as living water. Now... This this may not go real smoothly because it was after midnight last night and I had a thought and I pulled this up on my phone, found this video that I wanted to share with you. So go ahead and play about a minute of it if you would, Joe, and let us take a look at what we've got here. Now, what I'd like for you to notice about this, is that this is a spring. You may have never seen a spring before. A spring is not a river. This is water coming up out of the ground that you see there. Just let it play. I told you 30 seconds or a minute, but we'll let it play for a little bit. The first church I had the opportunity to serve was in Van Buren, Missouri and just about six miles from where we live, this spring is located. Some say it's the largest spring in the world. It certainly is one of the largest in the United States, maybe the world, I don't know. But they say that 286 million gallons of water come up out of that hole in the ground at the base of that cliff every single day. Let us hear it a little bit louder, this this roar of the water there. That, that's amazing. And that water just rushes by. Okay, you can pull it back down if you would. Thank you. And just watch the waters moving. We're not talking about a stagnant pond. We're not talking about just a, a mud hole somewhere. When the Bible talks about living water, that's what it's talking about. Living water is moving water. It's not an old pond with gnats and dead bugs all in it. It's, mo- listen, you can drink that water right there and enjoy it in that spring. It is, it is, if you look at the, the uh, you can see the, the bottom of the stream there. It's so clear. You can see the bottom. It's the cleanest, purest water I think you could ever imagine. And it's just gushing out of that foot, out of that rock at the foot of that cliff there. Thank you so much. When the Bible talks about living water, that's the type, that's the kind of thing it's talking about. It's not just a little bit. In fact, Jesus had this to say. Take us back to the screen, please. Yeah, thank you. Jesus had this to say. He said, if you'll come to me, you can participate and drink this living water. And in another place, he said, if you'll, if you'll fall in love with me and walk with me, He said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. So it's not just that there's a supply coming in, but there is also a supply. Listen, do we have a Bible believers here today? When the Bible says that we can have a relationship with God. That is not dry and boring and puts you to sleep and that's just, just a, not like, like brill cream, a little dab of do you. That's not the way God wants to bless His people. The Bible teaches us if we'll come to Christ, He'll give us living water. And if we'll follow after Him and be filled with His Spirit, there will be rivers of living water coming up out of us and going to the places around us and blessing the people around us and other people will be able to participate and enjoy that relationship that we have with the Lord. So it's not a it's not a coincidence folks that in Isaiah 55 and 1 it begins this way ho everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. This is kind of what it's talking about. come to the waters, come and drink, come and enjoy. This is such a beautiful place, a refreshing place we've been there many times. I perform weddings on the shoreline there beside that. it's just a gorgeous place to to go and enjoy god 's creation and And what a blessing and a refreshing a cool man, you talk about a hot summer day. you can sit beside that water, and that water's so cold to be that, that that fog or mist coming off of it on a on a hot day. It's a beautiful place to be what Jesus said. Now, here's something interesting we might pick up at this point. Ho, everyone who thirsts, may I just pause right now and be presumptuous enough to say something about you. You may not know it, but you're thirsty. You want what that screen talks about. You may not know it, you may not realize it. There's an empty place in you that can never be filled except by God. With that kind of relationship where you have uh, just a, a, his his spirit and his water flowing into you, filling you up from the wells of salvation and then filling you up to the point that you begin to overflow and be blessing to other people. That's what God has designed this to be. But but so many times we we're just dry. We're hurting. We, we aren't walking in the fullness of what the Lord wants us to have. So he says, ho, everyone who thirst, come to the waters. Now here's the good news. Or here's part of the good news. And you who have no money. He's a lot different from the hawker I talked about at the ball games. Who wants to charge you six bucks for a bottle of water. He says, you come and drink from this water and, and those who have no money, come on and buy and, and he eats and yes, come by wine and milk without money and without price. This is not about having to buy it because I want you to know it's already been bought and paid for by the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. It's already been paid for. All we have to do is make ourselves available to him in obedience. I believe that there is a level of joy and peace and comfort and excitement that we can live in as Christians. I think the devil has hoodooed us and caused us to settle for far less than what God has designed us to have and I think it's high time we wake up and understand we're not going to let the devil steal from us anymore what God has provided and we're going to walk in joy and enjoy. Enjoy living for God and be what he's called us to be. So he says, ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Now, you don't have to have money. Come anyway. You can still buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Well, he continues by saying something that's very significant in verse two. He says, why? Why? Do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Guilty. We're guilty. Here's what we do. Man, if I just had that that new truck I've seen on TV. You know, the one with the tailgate that does six different things? Man, I would be so happy if I just had that truck with that tailgate on it. It would just, I would just be contented. It, it just, it'd be wonderful. And if I bought that truck, I'd have it for about six months and all the new would be worn off and I'd still have all those payments. And I'd wish I had the old one that I had before. Because you know what? That truck wouldn't satisfy me. Would it? Not not over just a few weeks. You can say that about a house, you can say that about a boat, you can say that about a place at the beach, you can say that about anything you want to. You put your money into it, and you think it's gonna make you happy. There is nothing gonna satisfy you and make you happy in this life until you put Jesus first in your life. And so the invitation is come. Ho! I want to hear I want you to hear what I'm saying, he says, Come. You're doing this all wrong. You're trying to make yourself happy by buying this and buying that and buying the other thing. You'll never be happy. Why do you spend money for that that's not bread? You know what will satisfy you? Bread will. We know about that. I'm talking about food. Anybody like food? Well, let's pull the next slide up, please. Bread is mentioned here as something else that... um were to come and buy and Jesus said in John 6 verse 35, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. You'll never be satisfied, you'll never be full in this life until you make Jesus your Lord and begin to eat of the bread of life. There's something in us. There's there's an empty place. There's a vacuum in me and a vacuum in you that will never be filled. You'll never be satisfied until that vacuum is filled with the right thing. And that is a God-shaped vacuum inside of you that nothing can satisfy but the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God. So we have the opportunity to... to Drink living water as Christians. We have the opportunity to eat the bread of life as Christians. Next slide, please. We have the opportunity to have spiritual milk. Now, the Bible says in 1 Peter 2 verse 2, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. John 1 In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And it goes on to tell us later in that chapter, verse 14, that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. When the Bible talks about the word, it's talking about Jesus Christ because he is the word. Desire the pure milk of the word. You know what, babies, well, they need milk, don't they? Not just babies though. The rest of us need milk as well. Milk helps us grow. We need Jesus. If you're trying to, if you're trying to be something, accomplish something, do something in life, you sure are doing it the hard way if you're trying to do it without Jesus. Life goes a lot easier when you submit your life to the God who created you and say yes to Him. So desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. The the water is so refreshing. The water is so filling and, and takes care of your thirst and is so such a joy to get in and, and and just be filled with the water. The bread fills us and meets our needs. The milk, the word of God helps us grow. And then finally. Mentioned there in that passage is the wine. Wine in Ephesians chapter five, verses eighteen and nineteen, is is a metaphor. It's kind of associated with the Spirit of God, inasmuch as the Scripture says, "And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit." Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Wine. There's a lot of people in this world who are using a lot of foolish things to try to find happiness in their life. There's some people who are shooting up. There's some people who are Breathing it down, some who are drinking it down, swallowing this and swallowing that and all kinds of addictions. All because people are searching. They're so empty, they're searching for something to make them feel better, something to cope with life. And then the Bible comes along and tells us that we need to be pursuing and seeking this wine that is talked about here which is representative of the Spirit of God. Listen, you'll never be happier, you'll never experience a better high than being surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ and His Spirit working in your life. Amen. You will be happier, you will be more joyful. I I guess that's why people drink, I don't know. I've never been a drinker, at least not that stuff. I guess that's why they do it. They wanna feel better. They want to, to uh, experience a high sometimes, I guess, maybe. Some of you all might could take me to school on this, but really I don't wanna go there. I'd rather just trust what the Bible says and have a relationship with Jesus and allow him to do for me what I need without all the hangovers and all the wasted, just ruined lives. So we've read about the water and we've read about the bread and we've read about the wine and we've read about the milk. All metaphorically speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Each of these items are representatives or representative of salvation. Now listen to this. And they're all free. You need no money. You can't buy it anyway. If you had billions, you can't buy it because salvation can't be bought. Salvation is a gift. It's free for anybody who's willing to come. And the Lord will absolutely transform your life. Come. I said before, the Lord has given it freely for everyone, but not everyone has experienced it. It's a gift. You do have to accept it. You do have to receive it. Now listen to this very carefully. And once you receive it, you're supposed to enjoy it. Boy, that was a really weak response. Once you receive salvation, you're supposed to enjoy it. One of the problems we have as Christians today in influencing our world is that we look as miserable and aggravated as they do about everything. Where's the joy of the Lord? The joy of the Lord is our strength. We should be happy. We should be filled. That doesn't mean we don't have problems. We're going to have problems just like everybody has problems. But the Lord in us and his spirit and his overflow in the living water will just transform us. If you read in the scripture, these, I I think about what Peter said. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. And he said, beloved, think it not strange concerning this fiery trial, which is to trial you as though some strange thing happened to you. Listen, we're going to have problems like everybody else has problems. But still, the Bible says there is a peace that passeth understanding. And people will shake their heads and say, I don't know how in the world he keeps his head up. I don't know how in the world she keeps smiling. I don't know how in the world they keep going with all they got going in their life. It's because there's a God who loves them, a spirit that has filled them, and they're just walking and trusting in the Lord every day of their life. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But the enemy, the enemy, the adversary, is a detractor. The enemy wants to steal your joy. The enemy wants to rob your peace. The enemy wants you to settle for a cheap substitute. He'll cause you to seek Fun instead of joy. Cause you to be trapped by busyness in life instead of peace. He'll give you religion instead of Jesus. He'll offer you entertainment for worship. You all do know the difference between entertainment and worship, I hope. Entertainment is something someone else does for you. Worship is something that only you can do for you. Nobody else can do it for you. You have to do it. You could come if we had ten thousand people in a building today. You could come sit right in the middle of that group of ten thousand people for two hours in a work service and go go away and never have worshipped, even though you were there. And one of the problems in the church world of today is we're too entertainment oriented. We want to come and be entertained. We want people to make us laugh and make us respond in certain ways. We want to go away feeling good. That's dangerous when we don't worship. And we go back to the first verse in this passage. And I want you to listen to a word now that is repeated three times. It's mentioned four times. Ho, everyone who thirsts, that's all of us by the way, come to the waters. And you who have no money, you come too. Come buy and eat. Yes, come. Come buy wine and milk. Without money and without price. It's already been paid for. All you have to do is reach out and accept it. Yes. Come buy money. Or come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread for things that don't satisfy? And then he says, listen carefully to me. Eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. How many of you would like to delight yourself in abundance? Well, I'm going to tell you, it's a it's a precious thing. When your heart is full. You're not starving to death spiritually. You're not thirsting spiritually. But you're being Refreshed by the living water and you're growing because you're eating the bread and you're drinking the milk and, and the spirit of God is working in your life and you're just being refreshed. Well, I'm going to jump down now to verse six, which says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Verse 7 says, let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let me ask you this. Is it real easy to get caught up in what's going on in the world today and have unrighteous thoughts? Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. We need to return to the Lord. And the Bible says, and he will have mercy on him. And we need to return to our God for he will abundantly pardon. What an awesome thing. Verse 11, and we're going to close. Talks about the rain that comes down from heaven and the water, and it waters the earth. The rain doesn't go back to heaven. It, It flows across and it waters the ground and it brings the seed out of the ground, causes it to grow and so forth. And the Bible says in verse 11, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. This is the Lord speaking. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. There's not a doubt in my mind, and I believe with all my heart, the Lord has sent us this word today. It shall not return to me void, the Lord says, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Come. There's kind of a little summary of what we've gone through. The bottom line is we need to come. And you don't need any money. Why do you spend money on things that don't satisfy anyway? We should know. We've learned. We should have learned by now. Stuff doesn't do it. No matter how much stuff you have, stuff doesn't fix what's wrong in here. So we should listen carefully. And we should delight in abundance. We should seek the Lord while he may be found. We should forsake our wicked ways understanding that what God says he will do we're going to sing this invitation today and my my only request of you is to do this I would like for you to be honest enough to do what you feel like you need to do if you feel like you need to come and bow at this altar or stand at this altar as we sing this invitational hymn, and you need to return to the Lord, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus. You, you, this, is, this all kind of sounds like Greek to you. You not, you not getting it at all, but you believe there is a God. And you want to be saved. You could come. If you want to become a Christian, if you want to commit your life to the Lord, if you want to return to him, maybe you straight away. If you just want to say, Lord, you, you, I need your help. I need your help with, with all that's going on. I have thoughts that I shouldn't have. I'm going to tell you what, if you watch the news nowadays, you have thoughts you shouldn't have. Because it'll stir you up right quick. We have, to, we have to guard our hearts. We have to be careful about our attitudes. We need to be careful about what we say. Uh, what we say about other people. Sometimes we talk too much. Sometimes we're too quick to speak. Sometimes we hold grudges. We're we're unforgiving. We We've got all kinds of things that we just try to cover over and act like they don't matter. And all these things that we try to cover over and don't matter. You know what they're doing? They're causing us to thirst to death spiritually. They're causing us to be so hungry. And we don't even recognize it anymore. We've become empty. And we need to be filled with him so if you would please stand as we sing and I would like for you to do nothing more today than obey the Holy Spirit as he pulls at your heartstrings, and if you need to pray if you just need to come before the Lord and, and share with him and talk with him for a few moments we're going to meet here together after a bit anyway so I'm going to ask you to come.
1: Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. Father's arms are open wide Forgiveness was brought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ Just listen
0: to this next verse. What encouragement it gives to us no matter what we've done.
1: Leave behind your regrets and mistakes. Come today, there's no reason to wait. Jesus is called. and trade them for joy. From the ashes a new life is born. Jesus is calling. You need to come. You need to come. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of. Let's sing that again. Oh, come to the altar. Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a savior we have today! The Savior, isn't He wonderful? Sing Hallelujah! Christ is. Son. Oh, come, oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious. cross as you wait for the crown. Bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasures you have. Bear your cross as you wait for the crown.
0: If you would right where you're standing, if you would close your eyes, please, and bow your head. I feel like I would be disobedient to our Lord today if I didn't give this opportunity for anyone who is here to express their desire to become a Christian today. So here's how we're going to proceed. If you're here today and you would like to receive forgiveness of your sins, you would like to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you would like to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I don't want to stay that way. I want, I want to be saved. I want to participate in what I've heard about this morning. I want to follow you. I want to be a Christian. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That simply means if you'll ask him and mean it in your heart, It's a done deal. He will forgive your sin. He will write your name in the Lamb's book of life. You will be a Christian and on your way to heaven. It's the brand new walk that we've been talking about. Yes, you'll have to grow, you'll be a babe in Christ, you'll need to get into the milk of the Word. You'll need to eat the bread of life. You'll need to read your Bible. You'll need to learn how to respond and say yes to the Spirit of God who wants to fill you, wants to refresh you, wants wants to overflow the living waters through you so that you can be a blessing to others. But He'll take care of that as long as you surrender to Him follow after the Lord Jesus so there may be someone here today who you say well I don't know what to do I, I don't want to walk down front and everybody watching me I'm uncomfortable doing that and I don't know what to say when I get there so what I'm going to do is ask you if you're here today and you would like to pray a prayer along with me I will lead the prayer and you can pray along with me or repeat after me As everyone else will who is here today. But if you would like to do that. Because you want to surrender to the Lord your life today. I'm going to pause just for a moment. And I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. Say pastor yes. Please pray that prayer today. For the next few moments. Any hands.
1: To the Father, the Father's arms are open wide, forgiveness. As you wait for the crown, tell the world of the treasure you found.
2: Amen. Uh, again, a powerful word this morning, just to dig deeper in our own walks with Christ and to come. I firmly believe that you can never have enough of Him, that we need to be overflowing. Now, we're getting ready to enter into a time of prayer. Uh, For requests, if they have any this morning, uh, please feel free to speak up or uh, just raise your hand if if you don't want to uh, to speak it. God knows what it is. Um, I do ask, uh, traditional schools will be starting tomorrow. Thousands of kids will be going back into our schools, employees. um, Just pray for God's protection over us. Um, And that God will uh, raise up a generation uh, that still believes in Him but keep his protective hand upon us for sure. Um, We'll touch them as they go through those doors tomorrow. Um, Sister Faye gave me a a letter before the church here. Uh, Leon Webster lost his wife um, in June. Um, She saw him this week, and we want to continue to lift his family and him in prayer. Eugene Hudson, cousin of Ray Harris, passed away yesterday, so we want to keep that family in prayer as well. Any other requests today? Okay, we'll lift Scott up. Yes. Yes, employment. Yes, continue to remember your son. Your new job, yes. Yes, Yes. amen. We appreciate what they do in our communities. Remember those that are traveling today, uh, those that are with their families, uh, that God will give them traveling mercies as they go back. Uh, I'm sure Sister Joy would appreciate us continuing to remember her mother and father in, in our prayers and lift them up for their healing. Amen. All right, let us bow our heads. Father, we thank you for this time together, Lord. We thank you for your worship, Lord. We thank you for the word that you spoke to us today, Lord. God, we know that you've heard each and every prayer here, those that were spoken out loud, Father, and those that weren't, those that just remain on our hearts, Father. So, Lord, I pray that we would lift those up to you today, Lord. God, we lay them at the foot of the cross, Lord, knowing that your word tells us, Father, that if you ask, you shall receive. And so, Father, we put them at your foot today, Lord, knowing, Lord, we may not get the answer tomorrow, and we may not get it next week, Father, but in your due season, God, it will come, Father. And so, Lord, I pray a protecting protection around our students as they go back into schools tomorrow, our our teachers and our educators father lord i pray for our first responders father for the commitment that each of them make father to protect us each and every day in our communities lord that you would keep your protective hand upon them as well father i pray dear lord blessings upon each and every person here lord jesus that you would let us go forth god and tell the good gospel and the good news that jesus still saves we give you glory honor and praise today for it's in your name amen